In this episode of Midlife AF, I'm going to introduce you to one of my favourite people and probably the, one of the most influential teachers that I've come across since I've been following this path to a alcohol-free midlife. And Jay has had such a big influence on so many different parts of my life, but particularly on my relationship with my family and on my relationship with myself. Jay is a somatic experiencing coach. She will tell you about herself in the episode, but she's extraordinary. She taught me to understand why people-pleasing and over-responsibility are so much part of our conditioning, particularly as women. Our emotional boundaries are so porous, we often don't know where we begin and other people end. I find drinkers are highly sensitive people and we're often on high alert and feeling and taking on other people's experiences so much so that our own experiences don't matter anymore. And this is often because we've had some kind of trauma, you know, little or big T. Our family had expectations that things happened in certain ways. And we often, our hypersensitivity, the moods of family members kept us safe. Along with what, you know, I genuinely believe is the stunting of our emotional development when we develop a way of escaping from and not processing our thoughts and feelings and emotions by using something synthetic like alcohol to take us away from ourselves. It's Jay who introduced me to parts work, recognising that we are all such precious, darling little souls, trying our very best in life. And the things that we do and the maladaptive behaviours that we have are there for a reason, that they're trying to keep us safe and that their intentions are so good, even if their methods are generally not great long-term strategies. For a long time, if we're drinking or escaping our world, we haven't been present for ourselves. And so our little souls don't feel like they've somebody who had their back, who was looking after them, like somebody who loved them. And this is why my approach, what I found so helpful in Jay's work, and is also aligned with this naked minds methodology, is it's not about beating ourselves up. It's not about saying I'm weak or being ashamed or berating ourselves. When we stumble, it's about understanding why we stumbled comforting ourselves, acknowledging the very real feelings, worries and concerns that got us here. And it's about building trust and comforting our precious selves in our distress, reassuring them that we're here now, that we're not going to abandon them anymore. And we have to build that trust with them again because for a long time we've not been there. You know, and as our precious selves, we have to start developing into mature human beings who are able to take care of ourselves and who are able to differentiate between wanting to escape from ourselves and wanting to hold our metaphorical hands while we work things through. Anyway, this is a brilliant episode, particularly for anyone who gets triggered and feels like the behaviour of the people around them is causing them to drink. And even if you're not drinking, it's important stuff to learn for when the people around you, your partners, your friends, your children are pushing your buttons and you feel like you're going to explode which is your nervous system, being dysregulated. So without further ado, I'll hand you over to me and Jay. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol-free. 
If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying, it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. Hi Lou. <laughs> I've been so excited about this because Jay has done so much for me in the last, oh, I don't know, year maybe that we've been working together on and off. And she has really transformed how I deal with the people around me and how to have my own back and not abandon myself. And I wanted to bring Jay on because this is part of this group of lives that we are holding in the lead up to the launch of the Aussie Alcohol Experiment. And I wanted to offer you guys some value by sharing with you some of my mentors and the people that have really influenced my life and influenced the way that I coach, which is why we have the amazing Jay. I met Jay through Jolene Park, who's coming on tomorrow to talk. And Jay is all about, and so is Jolene, we're working not just with the mind, but also with the body. And it's so important, I think, on this journey and one of the missing pieces in so many alcohol work. And I know Jay isn't specifically about alcohol work at all, but it's really, really helpful what she teaches and how she trains. And the reason that is, is for so many of us who have been drinking since a very young age, for me, it was since I was 12, 13 years old, I really hadn't learned how to be in the world. So whenever I was uncomfortable, I was dysregulated, drinking was a solution for me or something else that was a coping mechanism because my young self hadn't learned how to be in the world, basically. And what Jay teaches is how to get back to yourself and how to not abandon yourself. And I think that there's so much connection between the work that we do because that concept of having your own back and not abandoning yourself is vital in living a really positive alcohol-free life where you can engage with other people without you know making them bad or getting massively heightened when they're not doing what you think they should be doing when you think they should be doing it <laughs> so that's an intro she's awesome she's done so many amazing things and I'll just pass over for a moment to Jay just to tell you a little bit about herself what she does and then we can talk about what we were going to talk about today which is the concept of kind of keeping yourself regulated when those around you are not doing what you want them to do. <laughs> We're going to talk about how to control other people. No, <laughs> exact opposite. <laughs> well, thank you, Emma. I'm delighted to be, this is the inaugural talk in the lead up, right? To the, yeah. the Aussie alcohol. Yeah. I love this. So thank you for having me be here. And I so much prefer when someone else introduces me. You did a great job. I love hearing the way that you articulate what I do because I think it's helpful to have the person who's experienced say what it is. So what I typically say is that I'm a coach, a somatic coach, and I help people leverage their body, their nervous system, and their brain to have their own back 
and like who they are in the relationships that matter to them the most. So my work has really evolved over the years that, you know, we use the somatic piece and the nervous system regulation piece as the foundation then to talk about how do you show up for yourself and how do you show up as yourself with other people. And I'm really, really interested in using all of this information to get us to the part about talking about relationships. And you mentioned that alcohol and alcohol-free is not part of like my story and the people that I specifically market to, but I think you and I have talked about this before. Three quarters of my clients are alcohol-free. And I think it is specifically because this work dovetails so perfectly. And what I love about working with people in the alcohol-free community is they've already made the commitment to themselves, right? They've already done the thing that's the hardest thing, which is make the commitment to take away the synthetic regulator, you know, the thing that is kind of faking what it is they want for themselves. And through that commitment, I already know they're committed to themselves. So then we get to work on just like really building understanding and skills and new scaffolding for the whole new way of being. And it doesn't have to be that it's, you know, their relationship with alcohol it could be food that also shows up a lot. It's whatever okay. your synthetic regulator is, you know, it's TV or shopping or relationships, addiction to just constantly being in romantic relationship, whatever it is, we all have our way of trying to make it better. That is not skill based. <laughs> it's totally right. Totally right. And it's such a, I listen to you talk and you're so calm and it just, I cannot emphasize more how important this work is I was talking with my book club last night about just how almost this exception rather than the rule of women are living at the moment in and particularly with everything that's going on we've got the pandemic and then we're all expected to continue on normal life and the mm. nervous systems are very heightened at the moment and you know so many female people that I work with all my client and my friends at the Brené book club are like all different coaches from all different niches, but they're experiencing that women are just really struggling with this concept of regulating their nervous system because there's just so much going on, right? Yeah, and I think women in particular are fairly porous to the people around them, you know? And that's kind of what we were going to talk about today, that idea yeah. that if you're around others, we're so used to being the person potentially who is like, it's our job to make sure everyone else is okay, especially when it's your kids or when it's your clients. I've done a lot of work in the past with nurses and doctors and people in direct care roles where it's like, well, if I'm in the room with a patient, I don't get to have needs. I don't get to exist. It's them. And yet you're a person and you have a body and you have needs. And so how do we navigate that? So I think it's the nervous system dysregulation. And of course, you know, the more dysregulated the world is, the more dysregulated we tend to become, especially if you have that kind of blended or enmeshed sense of self with those around you. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting, that word enmeshed. For a long time, I just thought it was empathy. And I know that now that it's something different and I get lost sometimes between mm -hmm. the two. It's like, what's empathy and what's enmeshment and what's my real experience of somebody else and what's my porousness? What's my projection onto them of their experience? Do you know what I mean? I do. Well, the way I experience that when you talk about that is like, 
do I have an experience of myself around this person that I can distinguish from them? Because I think that's that piece is like, you know, you were speaking in the language about our talk today about not abandoning yourself. And I think the way that we abandon ourselves in a, an embodied sense is we just kind of vanish. Like right now I could be from here up and be, you know, only aware of what I'm thinking, what I think you're thinking about me, what I think the people are watching thinking about me. Or I can also be aware of the fact that I'm a little sweaty because it's hot in my room and I can feel where my waistband touches my waist and I can feel that my right foot is tucked under my left foot and that I'm actually sitting in a chair that has, like, I'm here. I'm not just thoughts and performance. And I think that's that difference when we're, trying to distinguish like what's empathy versus what's, you know, losing myself is that empathy requires that you at least have some experience of yourself, not just the projection of the other. Yeah. 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 That really resonates with me. It really resonates with me. And the porousness, the enmeshment. Can you talk a little bit about that, Jai? Well, I think it's that same sense of many women I speak to, when we actually get into like, what's it like when your family's around or what's it like when this colleague is around, they have that experience of, gosh, if I really put myself in that position, I don't really have a sense of being there. Like I have a sense of kind of being here of either that like really externally focused, which again is part of what our nervous system is telling us to do. This is how you stay safe is be alert to what's going out here. Or oftentimes we used to talk about it in my group coaching or one-on-one coaching. It was this sense of like, if you're enmeshed with someone and they say, we're doing this, you really only have two options. One is to go with them or one is to resist. And so you're kind of in this place where the porousness is, well, whatever you want to do or what do you need from me? Yeah. And you do that enough times that your only other channel in your brain is like, like yeah, yeah, screw off, leave me alone. Yeah. And that's where I talk about it. I've written about it in the past. It's like, that's where we start dropping bombs on Luxembourg, right? It's like that person has been used to us going along and going along and going along. And then all of a sudden it's like kablooey. And I think that's that kind of, I mean, porous or bound to that person's okay. reality, or I have to fight and push them off to get mine back. That's exactly right. Jay knows this, but my work that I've done with Jay has helped me so much in my relationship with my husband about this. And I think Um, I've done a lot of research on, you know, eating disorders as well. And the same with alcohol. It's like, if we get into a pattern of self-silencing, as in going along, acquiescing with other people's needs, not having our own back, that does, it's like, you know, those thousand little cuts you talk about, you know, so people mm-hmm. talk about that. It's like those tiny microaggressions to ourself, to our own sense of self, because we, but we, this is the reason a lot of women drink, is we drink because we actually can't cope with the feeling of knowing that we've abandoned ourselves, mm. but doing it anyway. And that's when we lose our interoceptive awareness. We lose our ability to understand what's actually going on inside our bodies. And that's what the work that you do has been so powerful for me because I've started to have conversations with my husband now where he's relearning as well this pattern. He's not bad and I'm good and we're having a fight. 
he's not the parent, I'm not the child, and he's being a disciplinarian and I'm getting eh. mm-hmm. It's like we're adults on the same level and we both have different experiences of life, different realities, but yet we can coexist without us having to make each other, one of us bad, uh, without me having to be right or him having to be right. It's like we can both be right in our own reality and that not be the same. Mm -hmm. And that right not be the same because we're two different people. And I think people who drink have this so much where what Jay's talking about here, this porousness, this inability to identify our own self from other people. I was talking, sorry, I won't bam on too much longer, but I was talking recently about how when I first took Damien back home with my family, he asked to take some time out. Mm-hmm. And he said, can I go away to the bedroom and just like have some time away from your family? And I was like, well, we don't <laughs> That would be that. incredibly rude. We don't do that in my family. We sit in this heaving, swarming, messy mess. <laughs> and we endure. And we endure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, I'd never learned to mm. do that. And I mm. think that's like so many of us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. So many of our family systems are built upon fusion. And I know I said we wouldn't necessarily go too much into this, but into being in a one reality system. Like if we're in this family, in this family, we eat scrambled eggs with ketchup on it. And if you don't do that, you're outside of this. And it's like, well, yes. gosh, okay, well, then I'll just eat scrambled eggs with ketchup on it. Ketchup. And, and, right? And I'll sit here and endure. And so I think, you know, back to this idea of being able to not lose yourself around someone else or have your own back, you have to first have a body that you're aware of what's happening in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like back to the scrambled eggs and ketchup thing. It's like, oh, actually I'm eating that. I don't really prefer that. I'd rather have, you know, salt on mine. And But first you have to know that. And then the next piece is how do you express that in such a way that like you were saying, you're not making them, you're, you're wrong for wanting ketchup. Yeah. I'm right for wanting salt. It's like, no, for you, ketchup is great. For me, yeah. salt is great. And so yes. how do we then, I know it's kind of a silly, I'm really bad at coming up with metaphors on the spot, but the idea being that first you have to know what your experience is. And then the second part is being able to express it. And I was just talking with a client about this earlier today. She was, <laughs> she was saying that in her family, She's known as the lecturer. I was like, oh, I can totally identify that. She said, my mom and my sister both say I'm the lecturer because I'm always telling them, you know, what they need to do. And this is going back to your first point where we were talking about like when other people are not behaving the way you want them to, most of us do the thing where we lecture. We tell them how they need to be different. We control, we manipulate. Again, it's that out here, out here, out here. And so I was sharing with her, I was like, well, the way to not be the lecturer is to share from your own experience. So rather than being so involved with what your mom's doing, what she should be doing differently, what if you stayed present in your body when your mom is, when she's doing that, you know, kind of harsh, critical thing. And instead of telling her, you need to be less critical and stop just to pause and say, wow, when you say that, my chest tightens up. Mm. And can you imagine how 
her mom, who's been used to being told, don't do this, you're bad, this is her, you know, would maybe just pause an extra beat if her daughter said, huh, when I heard you say that, I noticed I felt tight and just felt kind of sick to my stomach. It might not change her mom's no. behavior. It might, because sometimes it, that little extra different tack that is yeah. disarming can make the other person shift. But what's important, and that's what I was saying to my client, is that in that moment, you didn't leave yourself. Because yes. if you're used to your mom criticizing you, and then you go off and try and change her, nobody's yes. back here with you. <laughs> and you've just been criticized. Yeah. But if you can stay back here and say, ouch, mm. that didn't feel good. Yeah. Then at least you're not being criticized and alone. That's right. Does, oh does gosh, that make sense? Though. Like it literally, does. does that make sense the way I describe that? It does. It does. It does. And it reminds me, and I was. this is the thing I wanted to share with everybody. I was like, there's one thing I want to share that mm. Jay taught me that has completely changed my life. And that was that she said me, and I'll probably say this wrong now because that would be typical me. So I'll like probably get it all around back to front, but Jay, you can correct me. <laughs> but it was life-changing nonetheless. So that's yeah. all that matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how I deliver it. <laughs> so it was, you cannot truly have empathy with somebody while you're taking responsibility for them. Yeah. Is that right? Nailed it. Thank you, my friend. That's not um, how I say it, which is even better because you said it the way you said it. And it's nailed, still right. You nailed it in an Emma way. Exactly, which makes it even better. <laughs> so say it again because it, I was like, it was so good. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> so you cannot truly have empathy for another human being when you are taking responsibility for them. For how they feel, yeah. Yeah. So that one's so just, one that people normally go, well, what? Huh? So here's the example. If you ask me to do this live with you and I say no and you're upset yeah. and I feel really responsible for that, yeah. then it's about me. If yes. you ask me to do this live with you and I say, oh, my God, I'd love to, Emma, and you're thrilled and I feel really good about taking responsibility for making you happy, then it's also about me. So whether you're happy or whether you're sad or whether you're pissed or whether you're excited, if I'm taking responsibility for you being that way because of what I've done, mm. I'm making it about me, mm. which is not what empathy is. So if I were to say, you know, I'm sorry, Emma, I just can't, I can't show up for that. I have these other commitments and you're upset. If I can separate that part of me that is like, because believe me, I was trained to take responsibility for everyone's feelings. That was my upbringing, right? And mm -hmm. so if I can divorce myself from, okay, Jay, it's not your job to take responsibility. I don't have to do the dance, make anything different. I can just go, well, I get how disappointing that is. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry I can't be there. And I can say it from a place that's true as opposed to a place that's like doing that, like, what do I need to do to make you better? And yeah. you feel it differently. How can I fix it? Right. Yeah. 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 I really, I really, that was just transformational for me. And I know I'm completely plagiarizing, but I always give you credit. <laughs> I use it all <laughs> the time you in my work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 
Because it's life-changing for women, I think, because mm. like what Jay says, we just take on so much. And I know I'll give an example of how I've used it and how Jay coached me through this was with my kids. And now my kids have been diagnosed as ADHD and autistic with PDA. It's even more like I'm so glad now that I've learned this tool. And I think what was really interesting about what Jay just said, that example where, you know, her client was becoming the thing, you know, that she wanted to be, that she wanted to see in the other person and still staying there for herself. And I think this is like a really big piece. And for me, it was, well, many of you know that my younger kid has been struggling to go to school since COVID. And we went through a period before it all kind of really hit the fan where we were trying to get her there every day. And ever since she was tiny, getting to school was hard. And I think anyone who's got autistic children or neurodiverse children or just children, because getting <laughs> children to school is hard, right. understand, you know, the, can you put your shoes on? Can you do your teeth? Can you do your teeth? And you're getting more and more hectic and stressed out about it. And this could be something different. You know, it could be you're trying to get everyone to do their homework or you're trying to get everyone to have their dinner or whatever it is. Or they're acting up outside and you're like, oh, what do people think of me? My kids are behaving badly. Or, you know, it's, there's so many scenarios. And it doesn't have to be about our kids. It could be about our husbands. It could be about our partners. It could be about our friends, whatever. But in this particular scenario, at the time I was trying to get out to work, get the train, get my kids to school on time. So there was a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And my kid would be on go slow. Your kid and would, I would be what? Be, be on go slow, you know, mm -hmm. on going slowly, not doing mm -hmm. it, or just not wanting to go to school, not mm -hmm. going to school. And we can have a set, that's a separate conversation, but basically not being able to get out of the house. And so my energy over a two-hour period was spent trying, and I don't do this anymore, we've changed our strategies entirely, but was trying to get my child out of the door and into school. And by the end of that two-hour period, I was burnt out, like exhausted. And this went on for months and months and months. And I was, and this is when I was working with Jay. And Jay had this little conversation with me and we started to practice this kind of other way of being. And the other way of being was that when all this was kicking off, I would, what Jay said at the beginning, I would touch my skin, remember that I was a human being on the earth and that what was going on around me was not my responsibility. What I would do is I would say to my little self, I would say, it's understandable that you're feeling really dysregulated because you want all of this stuff to happen and you're mm. not coming from it from a bad place. You want your kid to go to school. You want them to get there because you want, you know, you've been want them to learn and have a fulfilling life. And you've got a train to catch. And you've got another kid to get to school. So it's understandable. That, and I think that's the first step. It's like before anything else. The empathy. Reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with your body in some way. Like Jay said, feeling your, you know, your trousers waistline feeling your feet in your shoe and just remembering that you're actually a human being on the earth experiencing something and that that experience is okay first of all so that's where we're not abandoning ourselves that's where we are loving and nurturing ourselves and then 
taking a few breaths and even taking yourself away from the situation, but stopping trying to make something happen that wasn't going to happen and stop making them bad, stop mm -hmm. making me bad and mm -hmm. just know that they are having their own experience of life and I am also having mine and I will do everything in my power to make that, sorry, I lost my earbud, to make that a successful experience. To make that a successful experience for them within my power. But what I cannot do, I cannot change how they're feeling about that. Mm. I cannot change them and I cannot change what they're doing. The only thing I can control is me and the thing that they need when they're dysregulated is not a dysregulated mum. I was just going to say, you just talking about it and to all the people who are watching, did you notice how much slower you got, how much softer you got, just talking about what you do when you shift that? Because I felt it. And I'm imagining, you know, that when your kid is trying to get to school, feeling that from mom is a yeah. totally different experience so that whatever your kid is going through, they're getting the mirroring of like, oh, over there, that system's okay. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to we're just going to, you know, raise yeah. the storm everywhere. And a little bit relating to, you know, when you're drinking and you're around your kids, and I've talked about this, I'll talk, I've talked about this in many different places, but is there's a slight feeling of, especially with the younger ones, a little a bit of unsafety because their adult hasn't quite got their shit together. Mm -hmm. And their place of safety isn't as safe as they would like it to be. And that's, you know, we've all been there. We've all been that person. So it's of no judgment in that way. But it's the same sort of thing. How can they feel safe if we're not feeling safe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say, because I'm aware of our time and I want to yes. keep talking forever. But just to kind of say in the group program that I did do that you went through yours truly, the last module, like the fifth and final Holy Grail module is called like who you are when you're around other people. And that's the point of all this. I mean, really, like, I think, you know, the people who I've worked with who have used alcohol, especially socially, it has so much to do with I'm trying to like who I am. I'm trying to not yeah. be the weirdo. I'm trying not to be the one who's too uptight. I'm trying not to be yeah. the one who's not smart enough or whatever it is. And yet the mechanism makes it hard for them yeah. to like themselves as well and then it just compounds itself and what i love about using the nervous system and using the body and then using these paradigms to learn a new way of being is that ultimately the outcome and hopefully you've experienced this yourself is that you have a better experience of yourself around the people you love definitely definitely i can attest to that 100 percent, and just a growing love for yourself mm. as you are and what i wanted to if Jay, I want Jay to share this with you because I think it is so important for people in my community, you know, people like me, people who've grown up drinking and, yeah, just, we just need to, you know, we need to, you know, be able to connect back to ourselves, not abandon ourselves, learn to love ourselves, learn to have, be around other people. And so, Jay, will you tell us a little bit about your programs and where people can find you? Because I cannot recommend Jay and Jay's services mm -hmm. enough. For me, it's... 
an investment in your life, an investment in your relationships. And I feel quite teary about it because genuinely mm. has changed my life. And I think it's mm. one of the things that is keeping my marriage moving forward in a really positive way from a place that was not, mm. not in a good place at all. So thank you, Jay. And please share with everybody where they can find you and what your course is all about. Yeah. I, well, I just want to pause and say that really touched me to hear you, to feel you say that. Yeah. And I love that that's true for you. I love that that's true for you. You did the work and I know it's been exciting at times and fun at times, but also really hard. So it's really cool yeah. to see you be able to say that from a place that I feel is true. Yeah. And I just, my work, I just love the people I work with. I really do. Having these conversations and getting to talk about how it plays out feels really like such an honor. And right now, most of my work is doing this in groups. And the group is called Yours Truly. And for the first time ever in my life, I feel like I named something and I was like, yes, that's a good name. Right name. Because it's that sense of, I want to be able to say to someone who I love, this is me, truly. This is me coming from me. And so, yeah, it's a 12-week program. And over the 12 weeks, we go through five different video modules that have to do with building your understanding of first, how to work at the level of your nervous system in your body. Secondly, how to rewrite old paradigms for relating. Like, for example, if you got told that it's your job to take care of other people's feelings, that's a shitty old relating model that we need to get rid of and replace with something healthy. So it's psychoeducation. And then the third piece of it is skill building and primarily around language. So much of what we do is around, well, when I'm around my husband and he's doing this and I'm feeling this way and this is the dynamic, like, okay, I know how to now get in my body. And, but what the hell do I actually say? Yeah. Because what's true is if you had known how to regulate yourself from an early age and you did have healthy relating paradigms, you would have a different language. You would speak differently. And so we really, these are kind of the three parts. And that third part is where I think it gets really fun and people come in, they're like, okay, here's the situation. And, you know, what do I say? And that's where it's fun to be in a group and see like, oh, this is what Emma did, but this is what Kelly did. And, oh, yeah. I could have done that. I could say that, you know, and you really learn from each other's bodies and nervous systems and ways of being. So yeah, that's called Yours Truly. And you can find out more about it on my website, which is j-fields.com so jay-fields.com and i have yeah. to say jay brings together the most awesome people the group that i went through yours truly on were just i don't know we were so like-minded and yeah. just respectful and just you know women that you vibe off and that you get you know sparks fly because the conversation's interesting and just yeah, Jay brings together a really good group. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you said that. I would say that, you know, as a facilitator of a group, it's my job to protect the group and make sure that the right people are there. And I also don't let anybody in who I don't think I genuinely can't help because there's certainly people who it's outside of like, mm, that's not quite. And I would say the third piece, and this kind of goes back to what I just said a little bit. I also know that if I don't genuinely have a connection and feel some love and care for someone when we first talk, they're not the right fit for the group because part of what makes it work is that I genuinely care about everyone who's in there and then they get in and go, oh gosh, I'm not the only one. And then, and it Amazing. just is pretty magic. It is, it is. And group work is so powerful. I think 
anyone who has worked in a group knows you know there's an energy that can come that it just takes on a life as it's of its own doesn't it and it's you know that whole kind of concept of the group is you know stronger than the you know the, the sum of its parts kind of thing yeah so, yeah so true so true so thank you so so much jay i'm so glad you're here yes i've seen lots of comments asking if we're gonna record it it is recorded i will download it and we will upload it and i will also add all of jay's contact details so that you guys can reach out to her and i really recommend if any of you are able to join jay's group it is phenomenal and i highly recommend it so thank you so much jay. i'm you're so, so welcome. And I have to say I'm laughing because Owen is the person who keeps saying you have to record this video. And she's the wonderful woman who's built my gorgeous website. And so I know she's doing this from like, Jay, this has got to be on your website. Don't worry, so, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it, Owen. It's okay. I saw it come in. I was like, I got it, Owen. It's okay. It's okay. It was a, it's a, um, such a great no, Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Yes, Jay. thank you, Emma. It's my absolute pleasure and i'm so excited for the other conversations in your next 10 days or so right yeah yeah in the lead up to our launch Until you're... And so yeah and we've got our master class which is my kind of webinar on the five surprising ways that taking a break from alcohol can be effortless and change your life so <laughs> i can say it like a cheesy Love presenter <laughs> yeah so i'll put the link to that yeah. as well on, the, on the live thank you jay Go and have an amazing evening and I appreciate you so much. Yeah, you have a good morning and till next time. Thanks next for time. watching everybody out there. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you. Just before you go, I'm running a masterclass on Thursday, the 27th of October and Wednesday, the 2nd of November. 2022. It's called Five Surprising Ways Taking a Break from Booze Can Be Effortless and Change Your Life. Don't forget to sign up. Details in the show notes are on my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com. See you there.